Hello, thank you very much for choosing to join me this afternoon for a top tips session on feline idiopathic cystitis. And the plan for today is to focus on management and in particular preventing recurrence of uh, FIC uh, clinical signs in those chronic cases. So obviously a bit of a tall order to just spend 10 minutes on this. So what are my really condensed tips for you? Well, tip number one is really understanding what is known about this condition. And in fact, feline idiopathic cystitis might be a little bit of a misnomer because idiopathic, as we know, implies cause unknown. But there is actually quite a lot that we do know about FIC in cats. We know that it is currently considered to be um, very strongly related to stress, um, that it perhaps represents uh, what's been called an anxiopathy, so a condition where we have individual cats that for a variety of reasons, not fully understood, but perhaps relating to their genetics and their development, have a defective stress response system. So they are unable to cope with some of the day-to-day -day stresses that other cats will take in their stride. And therefore we have this vulnerable or susceptible cat that might be clinically fine in situations where its environment is enriched and it doesn't feel stressed. But if we put that cat into a provocative environment, um, such as in this uh, picture at the bottom, introducing a baby and a dog, for that individual cat, if it is vulnerable to FIC, that may lead to clinical signs. And because of this uh, consideration of it being an anxiopathy and related to poor management of stress, we should also expect to see other what are called sickness behaviours in cats affected by this condition. So other manifestations of stress, the lower urinary tract signs being the bladders manifestation of stress, but other sickness behaviours might include appetite changes, grooming changes, perhaps cats that are over grooming, for example, appetite and eating behaviour changes, uh, other behavioural changes as well. So understanding that gives us some insight into management. So moving on, what are going to be the stages of management? Well, the first one, really the key one from my perspective, is understanding that this is a cat that's vulnerable for whatever reason and it's not coping in its current environment. We need to review the environment and understand whether there are potential stressors that we can identify and that we can remedy. So we'll talk about that first. But other things on our list, and which you will be familiar with, include increasing water intake, considering diet and perhaps uh, the ways that changing a diet might help some cases, um, other medication uh, possibilities as well. And lastly, but definitely very importantly, would be owner education so that the owners, the carers who are with the cat all the time, understand this condition as much as possible too. So starting with the environment, the strategy that is recommended is, is often abbreviated to MIMO, Multimodal Environmental Enrichment. And this is um, a strategy that was first proposed by Tony Buffington, professor at Ohio State University, who has done a lot of research on this topic and his team continue to do that research. 
And what that MIMO involves is basically looking in a very individualized way as far as possible at the cat's environment at, for example, whether it's in a, a multi-cat household, um, are there social groups within that household, some cats getting on better uh, than others, um, are there enough resources for each of those cats and social groups. In a perfect world, we have one resource per cat plus one extra in our household, but if an owner has got four or five cats, that can get logistically difficult to do. Um, as a minimum though, they need to have one of each of the resources per social group with a spare one as well. So understanding how the cats get on is obviously key. And there are lots of, of ways that we can do that. We also very much need to review the cat's toileting environment because uh, that can be definitely an exacerbating factor. Um, and lastly, um, pheromones can be helpful both in providing some reassurance that the environment is safe. That would be our classic Felloway. But Felloway friends can be helpful for those situations where there is intercat tension. But importantly, we introduce these things alongside making the environmental change which might be in increasing the number of resources, for example. Toileting facilities, this is just a summary of, of what uh, optimal toileting facilities might uh, cover. So firstly, in terms of number of resources, again, if an owner has multiple cats, let's say they have three cats uh, and they are happy to have four litter boxes, well, those four litter boxes can't all be in a little row because that's one toileting location. They need to be four separate toilet locations to fulfill that uh, resource requirement so that no one cat can prevent access to the toilet uh, by any of the other cats. But other preferences for the cats in terms of, of litter tray include uh, generous in size. Um, a lot of litter trays are very small uh, when looking at the, the size requirements um, and often cats prefer a fine sandy consistency cat litter and a clumping cat litter which is also easy to keep clean so easy for the carer to, to maintain. And whilst these things they, they don't sound like they would make very profound a difference um, over the years I, I've seen uh, really a lot of cats where when you change the toileting facilities to something that is more optimal in our current understanding of what cats like it can make a phenomenal difference to those cats and the cats that perhaps have had uh, periuria um, and that uh, idiopathic cystitis was also a feature of are very much happier once they have these sort of optimal facilities provided to them. Next on our list is increasing water intake and the rationale behind this um, goes back actually now quite a long time in terms of uh, uh, research studies but towards the end of the 90s where a study actually done through uh, Royal Cannons Research Facility showed that uh, feeding a urinary diet to cats with idiopathic cystitis they had the best results when that urinary diet was a wet formulation and uh, whilst um, the, the dry formulation was well tolerated and the cats uh, actually often had Im improved clinical signs overall on that as well the very best results were with the wet diet and that's led us to focus on this as a, an important strategy for all of our idiopathic cystitis cases moving forwards and a number of reasons why it might be helpful as, as identified on this slide it's diluting out potentially irritant noxious substances, it's encouraging the cat to urinate more frequently, perhaps providing some sort of environmental enrichment for the cat as well, all sorts of hypotheses. But the bottom line is it can make a, a big difference to our, our patients and is therefore something that I would absolutely have as a pivotal part of my plan. 
dietary considerations well there's a number of considerations here ideally from a water consumption perspective would be a wet diet but there are a lot of dry food addicts out there and if you're dealing with a dry food addict then uh, there's much more rationale to using a dry therapeutic diet that has been designed for urinary tract health um, and certainly um, there have been some pretty good results even using just dry diets um, in uh, clinical studies of cats with idiopathic cystitis so a few years ago for example a Hills study on their standard CD diet um, so before the CD stress was launched uh, they showed that actually there, there wasn't much difference in recurrence rate between the dry and the wet formulations of, of their Hills CD product. Uh, cats did very very well in terms of uh, reduced recurrence rates of FIC clinical signs on both of those formulations. So whilst I still would prefer a wet diet uh, if the cat won't eat a, a wet diet then I would go for the a therapeutic diet. Obesity management uh, where relevant, management of other issues and then importantly it's that environmental enrichment side again. So the cats that, particularly indoor only cats, trying to make eating stimulating and rewarding in other ways, thinking of perhaps stress again being behind some of these cats and their clinical problems. Last on the list was medication and just very briefly to cover obviously medication can play a really important role in these cases. In acute management certainly where urethral spasm is a feature then antispasmodics medications like prazosin can be very very helpful. Pain relief a variety of products that we can use for that um, and also recently um, more suggestion of potential use of meropotent um, which we're more familiar with as an antiemetic but it does provide some analgesia and through its substance P inhibition, it has been proposed as uh, potentially advantageous in these cases as well. I don't believe there are controlled studies that have been published on use of it uh, yet in that indication though. In more chronic cases, a number of things have been tried. Uh, Glycosaminoglycan supplements, um, they have been used quite widely, but the evidence to support their use is, is very weak. For most cats, it doesn't appear to really make a difference perhaps in some individuals though so and you may have some cases ongoing where that does appear to be a feature and then there are these uh so-called anxiolytic uh, or uh, anxiety reducing nutraceutical products which have existed in recent years so things like alpha casosabine, uh, zilkine would be one uh, formulation of that, L-tryptophan which is contained uh, in some diets and also in some urinary supplements um, and L-theanine and there is a little bit of data to support use of these um, and so they, they are uh, certainly an option I think to consider um, and can be given via the diet in some cases so the Hills CD for example the Royal Canin Calm diet but also uh, can be given separately as supplements as well but I think alongside all the measures that we've talked about previously. Bigger gun drugs as it were and not veterinary authorised for this indication at the very bottom um, and personally I use a lot less amitriptyline than I did do at one point in the past and uh, I, I always feel really quite um, like I, I've, I've really lost the battle if I'm having to reach for this sort of medication because whilst it does have the potential to help some cases um, I think that uh, really realistically most of these cases we should be able to manage through other strategies and if we can't perhaps that's because the environment the cat in ultimately is is never going to be a happy place for that cat and perhaps rehoming that cat would be kinder to the cat than giving it perhaps some of these bigger gun drugs that uh, may help it to cope but ultimately are not uh, treating the, the root cause of the problem. 
So in summary, it is a challenge. Um, I've gone slightly over in my time, but those are my, my key points. And uh, the, um, the book cover on the right-hand side is a, a book that I wrote with Danielle Gunmore, um, orientated towards the carer. So it's, a, it's a, an owner book, an owner resource available electronically as well as in print that you might find a helpful resource to support your treatment of your cases in practice and support education of your clients. It really is an example of an illness where everything really does depend in my opinion on the client really wanting to get to the bottom of the problem and working uh, through the household to work out well where are the things that they can uh, address lots of other resources on the website so for example if, again for your owners I've recently done in my cat cafe sessions which are webinars like these a little bit longer but for pet owners we've done a whole series on lower urinary tract disease um, and so there is a, a separate webinar on FIC there's one on how to encourage a cat to drink more there's one on uh, toileting accidents as well. So all sorts of other resources there. Um, the free downloads also on the website, lots of those cover uh, urinary tract issues as well. And if you would like a copy of the slides, feel free to either put it in the chat box or um, send an email to the address on this slide and we can get those to you. So thank you very much for uh, your attention. Next time session, just to put, give you a heads up, we're moving into the world of blood pressure um, and situational hypertension is the first topic. This is the new term for the white coat effect in cats. So that will be the focus for next time. But in the meantime, thank you very much for listening. And I shall just open the floor for questions and comments if you have any. Thank you very much.